But for my own heart, that changed everything. Mm -hmm. Because if he is real, then I want to get to know him. If he's not just this idea, not just this name on the page of an old book, then I want to get to know this God. everyone and welcome to the life beyond the picket fence podcast this is your host brenda yoder and i'm excited to share a brand new episode with my friend christy lynn wood christy is a podcaster and she's a blogger she's also a wife and a mom of two beautiful kids ages 10 and 8 and we're going to talk about life beyond the picket fence of faith I'm sure a lot of you who have grown up in the church have been challenged by a lot of the teachings, whether you grew up in an evangelical Christian church, whether you grew up in a fundamental Christian church, or even a progressive Christian church. There are a lot of different uh, messages and images that we soak up. And Christy has a story that I have been intrigued by since I met her a few years ago at a writing conference. And so we're going to talk about her journey to find the real Jesus, but we're also going to talk about some of those ideal images of faith that were challenged for her. Her story really connects with almost everyone's story who were part of the, the Christian community in the 90s and even 2000s and even today as we're experiencing right now, especially in 2020. So let me introduce and welcome Christy, to all of you. Hi, Christy. Hi, Brenda. It's so good to be here. I am so glad that you are here. And so I want to introduce, first of all, your podcast. It's entitled Looking for the Real God Podcast. What is behind that title? Well, when I started my blog uh, years ago, I used Looking for the Real God kind of as a tagline because that is really the heart of everything that I do. I've just seen so much within Christianity and the church that is kind of this fake God, this idea of God, this concept of God that's not actually the real God at all. And so many people that I've talked to that have just experienced brokenness within the church or Christianity are just kind of done with it. And my whole heart was like, what if that's not the real God? What if what you experienced was not the real God? And let's look for the real God together. And that's kind of my story, is that I found the real Jesus in the middle of craziness in this kind of cultic subgroup of Christianity. Okay, so before we jump into that story, as you and I just talked a little bit ago before we got on the recording, is while you may call it a kind of a subcult or a a cult or a group within the Christian culture, I was kind of... um, reiterating that while a lot of people may not know exactly what you're talking about as far as the um, church teachings that you were raised in, the influence of not only the founders of the culture that you're talking about and the belief system, um, even if you're not familiar with it, it really influenced almost all of conservative Christianity, I would say for the last 20 years. So Christy, let's go ahead and get started and just tell us part of your story and especially who you thought God was and what 
what eventually led you to look for a Jesus that was different than the one that you were raised with? Well, I was homeschooled before homeschooling was a thing. So like my parents were homeschooling us in the 80s, back when it was kind of illegal to homeschool. And the only reason they could homeschool was because my dad was a teacher. So this was like the weird paradox that I grew up with. I had my father as a public school teacher, and then I was homeschooled in very conservative Christianity. And so it's just kind of a weird paradox to grow up in. But my parents got involved with a homeschooling organization when I was 12 that I look back on now and I really think is cultic. I mean, it was just very twisted. There was not a good gospel presented at all. It was a lot of just steps and formulas and like, you must do these kinds of things if you're going to have success and blessings and follow these rules and follow these steps. And so we went from being um, somewhat normal homeschooling family <laughs> to just being very, very different and unique. I mean, just a lot of standards were thrown at us. We wore skirts and we weren't allowed to go to college and we didn't have boyfriends or girlfriends and there was no rock music. And I mean, I could go on and on and on. And so that started when I was 12. Was this more of a church teaching? Was it perceived as biblical? Like where did your parents, do you think they, they lost their discernment for like, hey, it's something about this is not okay? Yeah, well, they first encountered this organization in college and they were not, they were very new Christians. Like they did not, were not raised in the church. So they really had no foundation for knowing is this right or wrong. And it was perceived as evangelical. Mm -hmm. And so they were brought to these conferences and stuff by their campus minister. And so they just thought this was evangelical Christianity. They didn't see it as like, oh, this is, this is not good. And even though they had their own relationship with Jesus, they didn't have that foundation, that biblical understanding to be able to say like, this is not actually biblical. Mm -hmm. And so we, we were taught not so much by the church that we were involved in originally, but by this organization that we became a part of. So okay. you had to pay, you had to pay like a yearly fee and then you got their materials and you weren't allowed to show those materials to anyone else who wasn't in the program. And it was very like secretive and, but like exclusive. So you had to be accepted into the program. And so it looked like a homeschooling program on the outside. So you just shared kind of that uh, warning flag of something being more of a, as you'd called it, kind of a cult type thing, which is membership in secretive. So we know that anything secret is not good. And yet a lot of their materials did influence a broader conservative Christian movement. Would you agree with that? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because as, as you and I have talked over the years and as, as I learned a little bit more of your story, I realized that actually some parenting curriculum that my own husband and I used kind of was attached to part of this very rigid theology. You use the words very succinctly about steps to success, or if you do these things, then you will receive God's blessing. And I think that's a message that is not biblical, but sounds very biblical and sounds very Christian-like. How did following all of those rules and rigidity give you a false perception of Jesus? Well, we left our normal church when I was 13 or 14, and we started going to a church that was filled with homeschooling families that all followed the same curriculum and all believed the same kinds of things. And so it was just this church filled with people that were like us, which looked good on the outside. Mm -hmm. You know, we were all the same and, and it was exciting, but at the same time, 
everyone was having the same ideas, these religious ideas of what we had to do to please God. And the more I recognize this as religion, I think it's just really helpful because there's, like you said, how, how are all these things connected? And I think it really is this, there's this religious heart that's within all of us. We have this natural tendency towards religion. We want promises. We want steps. We want formulas. And so it's just something that just pulls people right in. Because if I do these things, I follow these steps, then I'm going to have success and blessing. For me, I think the thing that really just, I'm a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted people to think that I was godly. I was about 15, 16 at this point in time. And so I jumped into the rules like full force. Like I am going to be a great and godly person. But my perspective of God, I think was just, he was distant. He was angry. He was expecting things of me. He was waiting for me to mess up so that he could like smash me, you know? Um, if, if things were going well, then it was like, oh good, then I must be doing the right thing. And the minute something fell apart, you'd be like, oh no, what have I done? So instead of just looking at it like, oh, the world's broken, things happen in this broken world. It was, I've caused this somehow by my behaviors. So something I did have, has caused now a curse in my life kind of a thing. And so I really just saw God as distant, angry, easily disappointed. And he was very much a concept. He was an idea. He wasn't a real living being at this point in my life. You didn't really get an idea of a personal relationship with God that is filled with grace and mercy. I never heard the gospel. Okay. What I understand the gospel to be nowadays, I never heard it in those few years. I had trusted Christ as my savior when I was seven in our other church where there was a gospel presented. Mm -hmm. But the minute we moved into this religious, legalistic, formula-filled life, there was no gospel. If you want God's grace and his love, you have to perform. Yeah. And I think, Christy, as I'm hearing you say that, I'm just thinking of um, how many Christians and how many churches or well-meaning organizations, but then also just each other. I think how even social media posts and things like that, how far we have come from the gospel of truly presenting the gospel and hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We revert to exactly what you said. If you do the right things, you'll receive God's blessing. If you do the right things, then it's about like trust and obey but, but obey because God is punitive and really lacking a healthy, balanced fear of God and love for him. And then doing what is right out of your love and relationship towards him. Yeah, absolutely. We had a definite, there was an understanding of the fear of God, but it wasn't a good fear of God. It was like, you were literally terrified of him Yeah. versus like just being respectful and in awe of him and like, oh my goodness, he's so big and amazing. It was like, how do I not get hurt by him? You know? When along your journey, did you realize, hey, wait a minute, I don't think, I don't think this is the God that really is real. (laughs) Uh, When he showed up in my bedroom when I was 15. (laughs) So tell us about that. (laughs) Yeah. um, Like I said, I was this good girl just following the rules and God was a concept. We were in this very religious homeschool program. And so one of my assignments was to pray these names of God. So my mother had given me this list of names of God, a lot of his Hebrew names and different things that I was supposed to go up to my bedroom and pray them to him. And so I did. I knelt down by the bed and I started to pray these names of God to him. And I think it was like Jehovah Jireh, you're the provider, you know, El Roy, you see that kind of a thing. And as I was praying these names of God, I suddenly for the first time felt the presence of God. 
and it blew me away. Like, I don't even remember if I finished the list. I just know that I sat there and like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. And I jumped up and I ran downstairs and I said, mom, God showed up. And it's so weird because my parents were in this culty key weird group thing, but they both had their own relationship with God at the same time. And so if you talk to them now, they're like, we just thought we could weed stuff out and we could just, you know, and so it was just a weird thing. And so she was excited. She's like, I've been praying that would happen to you. But for my own heart, that changed everything. Mm -hmm. Because if he is real, then I want to get to know him. If he's not just this idea, not just this name on the page of an old book, then I want to get to know this God. And so I started the same things I've been doing anyway reading my Bible and praying, but I was like doing it for me now. And I was just seeking him through the pages of scripture. And I would be like, take these long walks outside and just talk to him. And, and the more I talked to him, the more real he became. Mm-hmm. And the more his presence was real and the more he started speaking to me through scripture. And I just eventually got to the place where I was like, the God that I know, that I personally know, and the God that I'm hearing about in this church, they are not the same God. You mentioned two things. One is experiencing God through like an experience or through somehow a physical um, understanding of God's presence. And yet you have paired that with scripture and with hearing from God through scripture. And one of the reasons why I really want to highlight both of those things is that I think in Christianity, especially today, we kind of look for God in both of those things separate. Mm-hmm. Kind of like in that more legalistic type of experience you were talking about, which is, I'm just going to read my Bible. And from just reading my Bible, that's where, that's only where I'm going to learn about God without really seeking him outside of kind of this rote reading. And then the other side is a more experiential understanding of God, which is, you know, very popular in today's Christian culture, which is kind of that that word of faith or that more experiential of God is a feeling and we're going to experience him in worship, but yet it's not paired with scripture. And what is so dangerous with both of those is while you've talked about the legalistic side, you know, the Bible tells us to test the spirits. And so I think you and I both know that some people may kind of seek God in more of an experiential type of way. And and feel like that they know God or that they've had an encounter with God when actually it might be a, a false um, spirit. It might be a spirit from the enemy that is masquerading as an angel of light. So tell me just a little bit about how God spoke to you through scripture, because that's something that in today's discipleship or the lack of discipleship among believers throughout the country, that's one theme I'm hearing a lot is I don't really know how to read my Bible. I don't know how God speaks to me from my Bible and that absence of discipleship. Yeah. It was interesting because within my cultic organization, they had this weird thing that they were always having us look for, which is called rhemas in the Bible. And rhema is just the Greek word for word, but he made it into this big fancy thing where you would find this word from God and it would just pop out at you. And like, that was God speaking to you. But now that I know like how to use proper hermeneutics, which is just like literature, how to, how to read literature correctly, that was completely bogus. I mean, you can't just read the Bible and let some random thing jump out and be like, oh, that's God speaking to me. Like you have to read it according to the 
type of book it is. And you have to read it according to what the context around the verses are. And you have to read it according to what the author meant when he first wrote it. And, you know, all that kind of stuff is so important. And we didn't know that. We didn't understand that. And so I feel like God had a lot of grace for me, (laughs) just knowing where I was and the kind of training that I hadn't had and how to read scripture. But I would say that the way he really just spoke to me was that as I was reading books of the Bible and I would just see the character of who he was and it just wasn't lining up with what I was seeing. Like they would use these bits and pieces. I think one of the biggest things, it was a process. Okay. So I met Jesus when I was 15. I feel like his real, you know, just that he's real, but it was a process for the next probably four years for me to really just come to the place of like, this is nuts. Like this is all crazy. Like none of this is right. But one of the biggest things to me was um, when I graduated from high school, I took some online classes through the same organization and I had to go point by point through their two big seminars that everyone would come to. There was the basic seminar and the advanced seminar. And they wanted me to go through point by point and prove it by scripture. And I couldn't. I literally could not find verses that proved half of this stuff. And I remember to the point where I was just so frustrated. I had deadlines and due dates. And so I just got out my trusty Strong's Concordance. And I started just looking up words, like piecing verses together. But this little thought in my head was like, I wonder if this is how they did this in the first place. Mm. Like, is this how they really proved these points in the first place? Is they just faked it? And so for me, it really was, as I read in context, as I read the whole chapter and the whole book, and you would just see the character of God, you would see the stories of what he had done, and you would hear his words like that. Like that was, I said, that's how he just spoke to me. It's just learning who he is, who we are as broken people, what his desire for us is. And so much of it was not this religious performance that I originally thought. What you're saying is resonating with my heart so much because when I also go to the understanding of God, like how do I really know that scripture is accurate and how do I really know that, you know, especially in today's world where the scripture is being questioned and even within Christianity, we're watering down scripture or saying, well, you have to have a, a sense of higher education or look at it through a particular lens of theology to really understand it. And any person who reads the living word of God and God will speak to them through that. But what I too have grown to love about God and Jesus Christ is revealed through scripture is his character. Mm -hmm. And that's what you have shared. No matter where I'm reading in scripture, when you read it more than just that one verse, you're going to pull out for whatever reason you want to pull it out. You see his character, which does not fail and as multifaceted, when I finally read through the whole of the whole Old Testament a couple of years ago, the one thing that just was so loud to me was God really is a merciful God, and he wants us to have relationship with him. Uh, over and over again in the Old Testament, the Israelites were always having gross sins against him, and he was like ready to wipe them out, except that he loved them so much and he wanted a relationship with them. Absolutely. And I think so often people can get really confused with the Old Testament. You've probably seen this, mm-hmm. but like in my group, like they focused on the Old Testament. We completely skipped half of the New Testament books because they actually talked about real grace. Yeah. <laughs> so, but there was this focus on the Old Testament and this emphasis on the behaviors and like the law and all this stuff. But if you actually read it for yourselves, it's, it's not there. Like you said, you see this God who just is pursuing people constantly even though they are just running away from him and like 
totally messing up and he doesn't care. He just pursues them. He's after them. He's constantly using broken people who are an absolute mess. And you don't see that condemnation that you often hear people talk about the stories and they'll condemn the behaviors of these people. Like, can you believe Gideon didn't have any faith? But when you read the story, that's not there. God knows that he's not going to have any faith. He picks him anyway. And then he just uses him and like shows his own power through him. And so I just, yeah, you can find the real God in the real Bible when you read it for yourself. Not, not what someone else has told you about it or not what, you know, you think it might be there, but like read it for yourself and you'll find the real God. You are just, I think God, um, he's just like knitting our hearts together as we're listening to this, because that, that is what I say often, even as a speaker or even as an author, I will say, don't read about, like, don't read someone else's thoughts about God. You need to go to scripture yourself. Um, and right now what we're actually going to stop, we're going to wrap up this broadcast and then we're going to continue part two of the story to learn kind of what brought you then out of that and how it's impacted you, especially as an adult and, um, as a parent. So you have a lot more to share, but as we wrap up today, I want you all to go to christylynwood.com to find out more about her and her ministry. And you can also tune in to the Looking for the Real God podcast. Go to it, subscribe to it, and you will hear her talk with a lot of different people and just talk about a lot of especially current topics that are wrapped up around faith. So we're going to sign off here at the Life Beyond the Picket Fence podcast. Join us for the next podcast to listen to part two of this interview, and we will join you next time. 